If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This week in PlayStation, we're talking about Neil Druckmann leading Naughty Dog. Even more details on Sony's huge investment in live services. And can Baldur's Gate 3 be PS5 Starfield? We'll have all this and more because this is PSI Love You XOXO. Welcome to the show, everybody. That's Janet. I'm Greg, and you can get this show on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. There you can watch us record it live, get it ad-free, and get dozens of monthly episodes of exclusive content. If you have no bucks to toss our way, no big deal. Support us on the Epic Games Store, Fortnite, Rocket League, or Fall Guys with the creator code kindoffunny. You can get PSILY for free and without and with ads and without the exclusive content on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and podcast services around the globe thank you to our patreon producer delaney twining today we're brought to you by bird dogs but let's start with a psn message <laughs> from you hi janet hello so it's like my it's my fifth show of the day we are you and i have already done a ps i love you ps i love you next week is going to meet an embargo so it will go live monday morning so we i'm 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 in a special place I'm mm-hmm. in a very special place where I screwed up the my first run of the cold open. Chat was all on me about that. Then you and I are just horsing around it. I screwed up the 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 ad free free thing all you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I did it in the first one. And then Barrett's we we get the we get the confidence monitor here, which isn't the live feed, but at one point Barrett went to edit your shot and it was just all forehead. Yeah. <laughs> it's a day. I over do have a big forehead, but yeah. hey, I was whoa, able to creep. I was going to creep my eyes into the bottom of the frame at the last second, so I think we nailed it, the one over here. Um, I, in between, this is my second show of the day. This is like, you know what this is? This is like the content equivalent of like, hi, I'm Janet Garcia with Kind of Funny at this moment because that's just paying me right now. Um, and this is my first show of the day. And then you keep doing it like with the shots. Yeah, this yeah, is like yeah, what yeah, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. like. This is my second show of the day. Um, and yeah, it's been a long day also because I had... Um, a preview thing in the morning too so it was like preview show launch show and it's in between busy. that time in between that time i hung up these panels these sound panels trying to make the sound sound better um there were not enough panels to do the entire space that i wanted to do sure but i like them so far they're very soft they're easy to put up but the question is will they be easy to fall find out by watching the rest of this episode on the video feed when one inevitably slowly peels off the wall while I'm talking. Just lands on your head. Uh, PSN message from you, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, if you want to write in, you can go to kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y. You can write in for free with your questions and thought starters for the show. Today, Lauren writes in and says, If Peter Parker dies in Spider-Man 2, parentheses, killed by Craven, maybe sacrifices himself to destroy the symbiote, end parentheses, do you think that would push the Metacritic score into the 90s? 
I don't know if I don't know if I believe he'll die, but all things considered, it wouldn't be the first time Miles lives while Peter is dead. Janet, as we hurtle towards Spider-Man's October release date, we continue to have the conversation of do we believe, do we think, do we want? Is Insomniac going to be able to break through that upper echelon and actually deliver a Spider-Man 2 that has a Metacritic of a 90 or higher? And it seems like the thing we keep coming back to is it's going to be a great game. Everyone's excited for it, but it's going to be more Spider-Man, which is great. Do you think this, killing Peter Parker, doing something out of left field and crazy like that would be enough to push this game in? I don't think so because it's a Marvel game. Like it's Marvel Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man Two, right? It was Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Like I feel like those deaths don't hit as hard because yeah. they're so often committed to in terms of content. It's like there's always some workaround. Oh, well, now it's like in another dimension. Insomniac would exceptions. never do that. And there's some exceptions, but I feel like those won't hit quite as hard i do think it's a funny question though because that's a valid that's a valid thought you know well, it's it's what like, we keep talking about right like the game has to blow you away it has to catch you off guard with how how much i would say how much fun it is because i think story beat alone of spider-man peter sacrificing himself for the greater good would be a huge awesome story beat moment but i think the gameplay also has to make this yeah. leap, which I don't think is impossible. I do think what we've seen so far, I look and I go, oh, it looks like more Spider-Man. That's great. It, you know, it'll be fun to have the symbiote. It's going to be, I think, awesome to fly as Miles with his wingsuit. If there's more things sprinkled in like there that make you go, wow. Like I was talking about, you know, no spoilers, but the Jedi survivor slack jawed moment of like, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is so much fun to play. If they pepper those in there, I really do think it'd be like, holy shit. And you pair that with a story that suddenly does something we didn't see or really uh, wrenches our heart. Maybe. Yeah. It's just, it's so tough. You know, I'm looking at the Metacritics now of both Spider-Man PS4 and Miles Morales and Spider-Man PS4 is at a 87 and Miles is at an 85 and I'm like, this is giving, it's given 88 to me. If I was guess, like, split the difference and add a little bit. It's also tough because, well, Spider-Man and PS4 didn't come out as long ago as some of the other, like, a lot of times when I look at this, whether it's for my own sick edification, whether it's for <laughs> Fantasy Critic, whether it's for consulting I do, because sometimes I do consulting work. And, are you, you know, consulting on Spider-Man? That's huge. <laughs> no, I'm not consulting on Spider-Man. What are, what's it like? Tell me all about it. No, <laughs> let me know if you're, I don't even know if I would take that, because then I wouldn't be able to talk about it, right? So yeah, it's like, uh, probably not. But also, uh, make me an offer. I can't refuse. Maybe <laughs> I would take it. <laughs> all right, anyway. Janet's taking three months off of uh, PS I Love I You. I know. <laughs> hey, man, if they're paying for it. Okay, no, anyway, but looking at this, like I look at this kind of data a lot, and I do think because we have like more voices in the space, there's more opinions that just tend to skew scores downward a little bit. Like when we look at like Last of Us 1 versus 2, it's like, okay, these are kind of similarly quality games, but it tends to sometimes dip down depending. I can't even remember if that was true in this case. So it's such an interesting thought. I, I struggle to imagine a 90 plus, and that's not even just because I'm being a, a Spider-Man hater. I think it's just so tough for games to break that last bit. Like we have so few of those a year and to think that Spider-Man will be one of them, I think it's, just, I think it's gonna be really close. And I will say, again, I've mentioned it a lot of times on the show, the more I play Miles Morales, the more I appreciate everything that Insomniac did with that game and that franchise. Um, yeah. I'm trophy hunting it now, I'm working on the Platinum. Yeah. I'm working on, I was working on the trophy that was, um, get, finish all of the uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man app requests. So yeah. it's all the crimes and all the activities. So I'm working through those, and there's the one with um, the guy with the pigeons, yeah. And you're like going Dave to get the pigeons. Yeah. And granted, like every, like a lot of side quest, side content, it's all kind of the same flavor, right? It's like different ways to get to 
I'm, you know, if you're Aloy, I'm killing robots. If you're Spider-Man, you're like beating up some people and being like, I did it, you know? But like, it was so fun, like getting those pigeons and doing that and having the pigeon fun yeah. packs. I think they add, they, I never want to discount from how much they're doing with what they have. But yeah, just breaking through that 90 is very, very tough very to do. Tough. And it's, such a, it's such an ineffable quality that it's tough to say, I hesitate to say yes on this, you know? I think it would depend on how it's done and what what's the contextualization around that happening, you know? My whole thing with it is I think that my I, my, my belief and hope is I did this when I was, uh, you know, not even devil's advocate, or just being more positive on the last time around, is I really do think Insomniac knows how talented they are because they are incredibly talented. And I think they probably have Marvel games as backing to do not whatever they want, but cool stuff, you know what I mean, with their story. And I think they did a great job of establishing their Spider-Man universe last time around and keeping it traditional, even though they did go outside of the lines on a few things, that was cool. But I think this is where, hopefully, yeah, they're like, you know what, we're going to come out there and we're, we're going to run this back. We don't want it to be 2018 again, where we're nominated for a bunch of awards and we never go up on stage. And granted, you look at this year, you say that's even harder. One of the things yeah. I think is interesting here, right? Two comments from the live chat. Of course, you can be live with us, patreon.com slash kindoffunny. Cameron Kennedy says... Death is such an easy emotional consequence that I'm hoping they do something a little more complex. And then Matt Grover follows up with this. I hope Pete has to live with the mistakes he made with the symbiote. I feel like that could be, a, could be much more interesting. Mm. All of this it leads to an interesting conversation point for us, right? An inflection point, if you will, of I feel for as long as video games take, I feel like it's so hard to leave Spider-Man fucking spider-man the most popular superhero right in a empire strikes back way to leave him down on his luck at the when the credits roll mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i feel like even if you this, this is a crazy thing to say you kill peter but then you have miles avenge him and then you have miles on top of the building with or the montage talking about how you know he sees some of the villains running and stuff and he's just like i'm this i'm spider-man and i'm never gonna let this happen and yada 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 you know that he swings at the camera right and then it's you know free roam for us for the next 80 hours that's at least positive where i feel like Peter's a symbiote breaks both of MJ's legs. <laughs> he has to go, leave New York. It's like, God damn. And that, leave now I'm going to sit on that for how long? Bear Courtney, ladies and gentlemen, from the ones and twos. What do you got to say, little guy down there? Oh, he's getting yeah. bigger. He's hulking up. Uh, I would push back against that a little bit, and I, I'm going to say this with absolutely no spoilers, but I would say, like, we know that it's going to be a while uh, now with the, all the wor uh, people who worked on Across the Spider-Verse, talking about Beyond the, the Spider-Verse, that movie's not coming out next year. We're going to have to wait a while for that movie, it seems. And I feel like that movie, uh, the, the recent movie, all ended not in a great spot, right? Yeah. And so I think there's a way to, you know, to, to do that where you can tell a, a Spider-Man story and leave it off in like a spot. Damn. You know? I, yeah, you're, and you're not wrong. It's just the fact that I still think even then, movies and games are so different based on the personal investment you have in them. And I feel to play a... It's like, what did I get all those pigeons for, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're going to play through all that Spider-Man content, all those hours of it, and hopefully come back for, you know... I, they haven't talked about DLC, right? But if they do DLC again, or if they just do, you know, post-game credit content, I just feel like to be... You are Spider-Man versus watching Spider-Man. And again, you know... They had the best, in, you know, uh, uh, best of intentions saying the Spider-Man will be next year. I had no chance, you know, blah, blah, blah. I still think that, you know, the game is going to take even longer than the movie would, unless they are pivoting to this, you know, the, like how they did the incremental smile story in between there. But mm -hmm. yeah. it's a weird mix-up that I just don't see 
Yeah, because I'm trying to think how many, how many, I guess it's too complicated a question because I was going to say how many big IP, AAA IP games end on a super sour note. And I guess like, and I'm talking, especially licensed IP. Then oh, I start, super yeah. sour? Then I start painting myself into a picture. I'm like, I, Mass Effect yeah, occasionally, right? Yeah. But it's like, that's your own story and that's a different thing. Yeah, I was going to bring up God of War Ragnarok in a way. Um, Cameron Kennedy points out Infamous 2 had a downer ending both yeah. ways. Spider-Man, yeah, but that's of your Shadows, thing. If you were evil, Spider-Man, a but, little bit of. A but my thing with Web of Shadows, right? There was never a plan for a Web of Shadows too. That's fair. Like there yeah. wasn't. We're leaving you on the hook that you're. Or, in, in, you know, that was like you knew at the time. That's how the Spider-Man games work for the most part. Is you got something kind of Josh G says Mario Odyssey. <laughs> M- Matt Grover says <laughs> the last of a series, but again, like I don't think I, in in Halo Two and in, in Infamous, these are all first party owned and operated IPs. You don't have Marvel games being like. But it's such Yo, a specific cut that we have so much less data that know, it's harder to it's harder to like draw your stick in the sand. That's not yeah. the right fucking word for that. Yeah, but the, the, <laughs> draw the line in the sand. The, the yeah, closest so like, thing. Yo, draw me a stick a in the stick sand. And just drag it a across, stick looks okay? like a line. I guess it kind of works. <laughs> yeah, lay down the stick and then pick it back up. You got a line. The closest thing I can think of is, and granted, this is a very different IP, very different tone, very different type of superhero with different superhero stories. It's the end of Arkham City. Where like the way that ends, and you're like, Jesus Christ! That's a great really one. That's there? a great one. That's a great um, one. Uh, you know, spoilers for a 12 year old game. You know, where the Joker dies at the end, <gasps> and it, it it and it really just ends on that. Like he dies, and the game rolls credits like two minutes later. Um, and so I I don't know if Spider Man. It's such a different tone and such a different hero that, like, I don't know if you can do that. Um, uh, like, kind of pivoting back to kind of your side there, Greg, of like, how do you do that for a Spider-Man and pull it off in a way that gets you to going back to the question of like bringing it to a ninety? Because when it comes to gameplay stuff, it would have to be almost like a leap in gameplay from Assassin's Creed One to Assassin's Creed Two and gameplay and like world design and stuff for it to like hit a ninety on just a gameplay level. I think gameplay wise, Spider Man One and Miles Morales were already so solid. I don't know if you can really do an AC one to AC two jump. So on the flip side, it would have to be story and yeah, like um, I think I don't know if just killing Peter does that unless it's built to properly. You know, I think the recipe to get it this franchise from a high 80 to a 90 is a couple things would need to happen. One, some type of like dope emotional story moments. It doesn't have to be death, but like for me, like even something where it's like, okay, we know the Spider-Man lore story for forever, but him and his aunt, like when she's like in the hospital or something, I think there's like a scene between them. Spoilers. Yeah. Like that, that scene was really powerful to me in that first game. For sure. Um, something like I, some of that kind of flavor. And again, it doesn't need to be like, oh, and then, you know, Spider-Man slips on a slab of ice and he's out of commission. Whoa. It doesn't have to be that, right? It could be whatever. You need that. You need reviewers on the whole to say, I never thought anything could feel as good as swinging through the streets of New York until I put on that wingsuit and flew as Miles Morales. That's number two. Number three, we need to avoid um, the pitfalls of the MJ stealth missions. You can't have anything like that, I don't think, and still make it into an Eddie. And then or four, you bring them back and you make them cool. <laughs> yeah, that, I think it's too risky. I think it's too sad. People are, people are too upset. And then four, oh, shoot, I just had Oh, you need to create a more a greater diversity in side quest content, like what you're doing, kind of back to like my thing where it's, it's so tough to dif- differentiate because at the end of the day, like if you're Aloy, you're hunting machines and if you're, you know, Spider-Man, you're like beating up bad guys and swinging around. It is hard to make that 
super differentiated, but I think that is definitely one of the complaints that I remember hearing from like Spider-Man, PS4, across reviewers in general, anyone that didn't give it a 90 was kind of like, to be honest, it was cool, but I was doing the same thing. You, you go to the Arkham again. City route where each a side quest villain, you know, they were all their own side quests, but they all felt different because what mm-hmm. you were doing to try to capture that villain felt different. Whereas like the biggest thing from Spider-Man 1 was... Um, Oh, the guy with the impenetrable skin, Greg, and he, like, runs the motorbike shop. Yeah, Tombstone. Tombstone. And that was, like, kind of the biggest side quest moment, I would say, for, like, uh, other villains outside mm-hmm. of the main story. So, like, diversifying that, yeah, I think could, like, help amp that up for sure. And those are the four ingredients for a 90-plus on there Metacritic it is. There for it Spider-Man is. 2. It. You guys still have a, a few weeks <laughs> to put that together? <laughs> they delay the game and just like, oh, <laughs> sorry, we forgot. Here's this stuff we should have put in. Okay, now the pigeons are blue. I don't know. I don't I know what you wait. can do. I'm not a developer. I just sit back and say, this seems fun, or this didn't seem as I fun. I like this. I didn't like this. <laughs> yeah. You figure it out, everybody. <laughs> right that time, right that time. Let's move on to topic of the show. Janet. I don't know if you're aware of this, but like basically PlayStation's ex-girlfriend Bethesda mm-hmm. is in a new exclusive relationship. Yeah. And they got this game. Looking real lot. good on Instagram. Not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> just do their hate posting. Games. I'm on my burner account. Just following their Screenshotting stories. it to you. Sending it to your friends. Like uh-huh, I look better yeah, than yeah. them, right? No screen, no, screen record and then screenshot the screen recording so they can't see who screenshot it. On, Can you guys. screenshot? You get wait. You know if some you screenshot on Instagram, they get notified. I think so. Is that no. a thing? Someone in chat, let me know if people can see no, it. No, that's, uh, that's old Snapchat shit. Is well, it? I think it might be Instagram stories. Watch out, Greg. I don't know who you've been screenshotting. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm saying I'll test You're it. Like I'll idiot to this pizza place. Let me screenshot. Here, they they might right, know. Here, I'm looking. Th- oh, Janet, you're right there. I'm gonna screenshot your story. Okay. I screenshotted <laughs> your story. Nothing. I don't. Uh, I, 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 I don't gotta know. look because I don't like. Uh, now I'm gonna screenshot one of your posts. Okay. The post, I definitely don't think so. The okay, screenshot. Well. I guess maybe not. No, you're maybe just not. scared of everything. I guess I, I just live in fear. You know <laughs> what I mean? I sleuth. I don't do anything half-ass. I'm sleuthing. Starfield is coming to Xbox this fall, this September, ladies and gentlemen, which has left so many people going, well, what will PlayStation's play? What will PlayStation players play in that RPG category? And it seems like Baldur's Gate 3 is trying to step up and fill the void. So today I pose the question for topic of the show. Is Baldur's Gate 3 PS5's Starfield? Uh, I have a whole bunch of information here because I wanted to lay out a little argument to have here with Janet before we get into any of it. Uh, What is Baldur's Gate 3, you might say, ladies and gentlemen? Well... Wikipedia says Baldur's Gate 3 is a role-playing video game that offers both a single-player and cooperative multiplayer element. Players can create one or more characters and form a party along with computer-generated characters to explore the game's story. Optionally, players will be able to take one of their characters and team up online with other players to form a party. Unlike previous games in the Baldur's Gate series, Baldur's Gate 3 has turn-based combat similar to Larian, they're the developer, Larian's earlier games, Divinity Original Sin, and Divinity Original Sin 2. But this time, it is based on the D&D 5th edition rules. What is awesome about this is that that means you're going to be rolling dice for all sorts of stuff in the game. In the game, there's a whole bunch of stuff. We'll get to it. Now, you might say... Why is this a topic? Well, I already said the thing about you know Starfield and PlayStation 5 not having it and this, that, and the other. But it gets a little spicier if you haven't been paying attention. We'll take a walk over to GameSpot.com, where I just realized I'm looking at the wrong camera. Eddie says, Baldur's Gate 3 developer Larian Studios has announced new release dates for the game on console and PC. 
The PC edition is now launching on August 3rd, which is a few weeks earlier than the game's previously announced August 31st release date. The PS5 version, however, has been delayed to September 6th. Notably, that's the day of Microsoft's big console exclusive Starfield launching on Xbox. In a blog post and press release, Larian said it is releasing Baldur's Gate 3, quote, in the order of platform readiness. And that's what is then that's what it's coming to PC first. I mean that he means that's why. That's why it's coming to PC first. Additionally, Larian said the PC edition of Baldur's Gate 3 will launch at a time where you'll have more time to play it. That was a direct quote, which sounds like a reference to Starfield and how that game is expected to take up time and attention for PC players. Quote, Baldur's Gate 3 is targeting 60 frames per second, and we're close to achieving that on the platform but need a bit of extra time the studio said we don't want to compromise on quality and we feel it would be a shame to downscale the 30 frames per second or make other compromises to hit an arbitrary date a little bit of shade thrown at starfield as well right there but you see the move get the pc version away from starfield by a month so you don't have to worry about that but come out on ps5 try to go toe-to-toe when people are like god starfield's so good i wish we had it well you can play baldur's gate 3 Janet, does the argument hold water for you? Are you at all excited for Baldur's Gate 3? What, what, I don't even know where you are at with Starfield, even though we're a PlayStation yeah. podcast. Yeah, which also, when you texted me about Starfield, was that for like, did that go anywhere for? Here's the thing for people listening Greg will just call or ask you things, and you just you just answer and you don't know what's happening. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just say, what, like, oh, you're live? Like, you know, he's not just calling. He's like, oh, see, you're live. But I'm like, I never know where that's going. Like, you just mentioned, oh, Blessing doesn't really know you then at all. And I'm like, or he knows me better than I know myself. And you never said anything else. Hadn't spoken to you for the rest of that week. <laughs> so why did you, what, can you give me context on that? Was that just your own curiosity? I think we were live was on that... the show and Blessing was like, we were debating if you cared about Starfield. Yeah. So I think, you know, like any other gamer like i can be won over by some aspect of marketing i I do think since i'm so we're so naturally more in tuned with things as like you know critics and content creators or journalists or however you want to couch us that usually we kind of already know stuff out the gate but there are things that i'm a little bit more like on the fence on or like i know i will check out to do my due diligence but i don't know how excited i am about it so for starfield I was like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna play that because i want to see what's up you know i've dabbled in some like bethesda rpg stuff but never like front to back like and never fully like finished really anything so i'm like okay i'll check this out for sure then with the presentation and everything um you know the the stuff with like the ships and the sandwiches this is all me you know but that's a lot of rpg fun like that's a lot of those kind of games like you can kind of make your own fun with it and explore and it kind of gives you the tools to like have that fun yeah um baldur's gate 3 it sort of um I find it like lightly intimidating in terms of like the I think nerd culture that it draws on, like the kind of D and D stuff. I'm like, look, I'm it's that's something I'm warming up to in my life. Like I want to, you know, I have um, we just got a board game table where you can like take the top off and like, looks have super a cool. game underneath. It's so awesome. I love it so much. We got that and we started to play um, Gloomhaven, something of the something, sure, <laughs> Jaws yeah. of the Lion. I Lest think. Lest we yeah. forget, yeah. Yeah, um, and I bring that up because that I pick that up because it's like if you don't know D and D but you want to get to know D and D, this pre-made thing will help you. Whatever. So all of that is to say, I'm warming up to the idea of something like Baldur's Gate three. And then the only other thing I really know about Baldur's Gate three is that uh, the bear sex stuff. Of course, yeah. That like that like really put it on the map for a lot of people. Um, And I hate to say that that I was one of those people because it's not that I like really want to like fuck this bear druid whoever the fuck, but it's just like that got so much attention that people are like starting to be like, oh man, what is this game again? And then I kind of, you know, we can make the joke of like, oh, it's 
people that just want to like fuck a bear or whatever. But it's also, I think, people that are like, oh, I saw this kind of memed and blow up, and now, oh yeah, I forgot. This is gonna be like a crazy fucking adventure. So that's but, where I'm at with Baldur's Gate three. But I put the, I have a bunch of preview breakouts, but then at the top, I put a bunch of links for you, Bear, to the top of the to- topic of the show, which of course has the the bear sex in there. If you're not caught up, yes, this had its Twitter moment. They had their big event uh, in Belgium. They did their final live stream before the game's launch, where they had a whole bunch of press and fans there, uh, costumes, and they really did a meaty walkthrough of what the game is and where it's come since early access. And one of the things they showed you, yeah, is that there's this druid who can shapeshift. So, you know, these two guys, they were going to get down to it, but then the druid, he gets all uh, hot and bothered, turns into a bear, turns back into himself, apologizes for it, and then a million dialogue choices pop up that you can do whatever, and the vampire who was getting ready to fuck him goes, no, I like the bear, and then he turns back into the bear, and they go to town on each other. And that's kind of what you're talking about with this game. Um, Everything you said is spot on for a number of different reasons. We share the same gaming mind, as you know, the same preferences, all these different things, Janet. And so Baldur's Gate 3... I've heard about, I've been aware about, but I haven't looked into as much. And so obviously when they did their final live stream from hell or whatever, and they showed all this, you can see the guy down there playing it, them doing the giant walkthrough. And if you're at all interested in it, you have the time. I highly recommend going and watch it because it is a fascinating look at everything this game's got under the hood. I was like, okay, cool. The bear clip pops. I'm like, all right, whatever. For me, jumping in to get ready for this uh, conversation and really boning up on what's going on, no pun intended, it did make me go, fuck, I really do want to play this game. And it's I'm in a similar vein of you where I'm not the D&D guy. Like, that's not what I do. We've done one D&D stream here with Critical Role a long, long, long time ago. And it was fun enough, but I was like, yeah, it's too much work for me. I'm not going to do that. The idea of doing roll for initiative, like, oh, you're going to try to pick a lock in this game and the dice pop up and you click on them and they roll and you see if you get it. I like that shtick. I like the... One of the biggest things they're talking about is character customization and how deep you're getting into. And of course, races and sub races and classes and this and how it's changing your thing. And you're getting plus two, plus three, whatever. Like, it's a nerdy ass RPG. And that is exciting. And I listen, I listen to Dan Reichert and uh, or Dan and Jake from Giant Bomb GameSpot. Well, does Jake Decker count as a Giant Bomb? I can't keep it straight. The GameSpot Giant Bomb people were talking about it on uh, their little thing from Belgium and how Dan was very much like me of like, oh, it's never been in my wheelhouse. It wasn't a console game. So yada, yada, yada. But they played it for five hours and had a great time and were like, damn, there's something here that is cool about it. And the more I read into it, uh, the more I'm interested in it. So I want to fl- flesh some of the previews out here I put in. All right. Sure. Joshua Duckworth from Game Rant wrote in, or wrote in, wrote an article, not right here at all, uh, and said Larian rolls a natural 20 with Baldur's Gate 3. Once players delve into the game, there are two things that ultimately stand out. First, the story hooks players immediately. Anyone who has been keeping up with the title knows it revolves around mind flayers slipping tadpoles into the minds of the playable character and their companions, parentheses, who are recruited later. But it can quickly spiral out of control from there. Perhaps that spiral is invited by players and the choices they make, or perhaps it comes down to a dice roll. As expected, rolling dice in Baldur's Gate 3, regardless of modifiers, advantages, disadvantages, and so forth, is just as tense and as exciting as playing tabletop. A critical success always invites a pop from players, while a critical failure invites a pending sense of doom, with both leading and unforgettable moments. For example, despite our warlock having a plus seven to persuasion, we rolled a one on a conflict between our two between two of our companions. This forced us to choose who would live and who would die. And it's worth noting we were only in Act One. Uh, Barrett, up there in the one I called Great Overview of Everything, they have a dice if you want to click on. I put a dice link if you want to click on that to show what this looks like. Because again, I think this is cool. I think this is neat. I like. I like, you know, that option in RPGs all the time of Bethesda's usually right of like. 
try to talk your way in or out of this thing and you mm-hmm. click on it and you know maybe it works or maybe it doesn't having the actual visualization of the dice here i was like oh shit that's actually a really cool move of doing what we've already done in such a different way or at least a, a way new to me as somebody who doesn't play D. yeah i think too it kind of seems like what's appealing about this the more i kind of start to look at it is the way that it kind of facilitates or automates some of that stuff like it's funny playing you know setting up to play gloomhaven as like a gamer but not a dnd like person or a tabletop person historically and then being like and obviously i made this comment knowing that like they're all all these things connected they're all games of some form yeah. but i was like okay this is like an analog video game <laughs> and then for, so for this preview to be like this is like the video game it's as fun as tabletop and kind of seeing how those two different styles of game can kind of influence each other or benefit from each other in different ways um, is definitely something that's interesting about this for me. The clip we just showed there and we'll be back and forth to is a 10-minute video called Everything You Need to Know About Baldur's Gate 3. It's by Mr. Holven uh, on YouTube, of course. Uh, I found this to be super informative. I went and watched the live stream from the devs. Uh, That was great, but it was very much like clearly speaking to your audience. Mm -hmm. As somebody who needed a bit more top level, this was 10 minutes. I'm sure we'll be back and forth with a few of the other links I put in there. But I want to continue on with this preview uh, from Joshua. The second immediate standout is the combat and the unfiltered presence of D&D rules. At first glance, it seems Larian took every core rule and option from Dungeons and Dragons 5e and digitized it into the game. Players have actions, bonus actions, movement speed, and so forth, while there are options for dashes, reactions, attacks of opportunity, and disengaging. Outside of combat, even, players have short rests, long rests, and a camp to return to per the D&D rulebooks. Of course, just like any collaborative table, Baldur's Gate 3 breaks rules in the best of ways, too. Natural ones are automatic failures in and out of combat, while natural 20s are automatic successes. It's clear this design comes straight from experience with playing tabletop and not just arbitrary rules in a book. Permutations find their way into moment-to-moment gameplay as well. It's entirely possible to miss sections of the game uh, thanks to a missed passive perception check, uh, which means returning to another character later on invites new gameplay elements. For example, we didn't notice it on our PC character, but our PS5 character realized there was something off about an innocent-looking cow in, Druid, in the Druid Grove. This led us to spending a lot of time trying to figure out what was going on with that cow, and in doing so, <laughs> angering the Baldur's Gate 3 companion Will. Uh, had we pushed this on this element, we wouldn't have had Will in this playthrough, and we missed him in the Druid Grove on PC. He popped up later on, just not as fast or as slow as players lead the permutations as well. One of the things that Mr. Holven talks about in uh, his video, right, is the fact that this is rolling the dice and uh, putting in that chance and doing all this random stuff, right, is making the game uniquely your own, let alone on making the character you're building and what perception choices they have and all these different things. Like, it sounds like an RPG I would want to play again. I don't know if I would ever have the time to based on my job and life, but it is that idea that when I hear you see Mr. Holven's video again, the idea of going through this and playing through it and having that tailored experience that is specific because you did it, you know, Nick just wrapped up a Mass Effect playthrough for the first time with his Mike character, right? And it is like going Renegade or going Paragon is always fun, but the constant permutations and seeing that spread right. out throughout the world and somebody over here in the chat, it's already gone by, was talking about giving their one of their side characters an early access. Oh, here it is. Uh, Jameson S. I gave one of my companions a forbidden book, dot, dot, dot. I'm sure that won't come back to haunt me later, right? Like, they talk about it in the live stream and in the previews of having these conversations and saying these things to your companions and then that influencing what they're going to do. Like, 
that shit excites me. And I'm with you, Janet, where normally I would look at this and be like, oh, fantasy, D&D, it ain't my thing. Yeah, a but nerd it looks game refreshing. for nerds. A different kind of nerd than I am. Again, yeah. it's like when it's like out of your element, it can be, you know, obviously jokes aside, like it can just be kind of intimidating, almost like almost like a different language where it's like, well, I don't know if I am going to get be able to latch on to this style of, of story and adventure. Um, I think, too, what you bring up with the developers and also, like, the players who have done the early access talking about, like, the different permutations and how constantly changing, like, your story can be compared to something like Mass Effect, which is beloved, but, you know, does have kind of a this, that, or the other kind of setup, um, is I feel like there's something... It's not necessary to make, like, a great video game because there's lots of great games in different styles, but there is something really special about those games that al- that allow space for a multitude of stories to the point where, like, different players can come together in real life and be like, oh, like, what happened in your thing? And, like, this, and have kind of almost such starkly different experiences. Like, that doesn't come around that often, yeah. but it's always, like, a fun, special, I think, point in, in gaming in the industry when a game can really bring that to light. And because uh, so often you have the opposite, right? Where it's like, oh, this felt different. And then you talk to someone, and you're like, it actually wasn't that different. It's like, oh, his pants were blue, but like he's still, you know, yep. he still had pants. It didn't really matter. Um, so that sounds very cool as well. And again, leaning into this D&D thing, I think is interesting. I want to go to one final thing here from Ray Ampelikulu over at Xfire, right? Who says, Larian Studios designed Baldur's Gate 3 to make gamers cry. Every Dungeons and Dragons player can relate to a sadistic dungeon master whose help meant on making life as miserable for you as it can be. And while this can make your campaign a living hell, you'd have to admit that it makes it a lot more fun. If this is more up to your speed, Larian Studios might just have something for you with the release of Baldur's Gate 3's most ruthless difficulty setting, The Tactician. In the recent panel from hell, that's the big thing I was talking about, is any, it, oh, I'm sorry, if the recent panel from hell is any indication, Baldur's Gate 3's, uh, Baldur's Gate 3's, Tactic, uh, tactician difficulty is the virtual embodiment of a vindictive DM. One who's just out to ruin your game day, but keen to remind you that it's entirely your own fault. While Explorer Mode offers a gentle stroll through the game and the default balanced mode promises a fair blend of fun and challenge, Technician is something else entirely. An intricate and brutal ballet of com- complex combat, uh, intelligent AI, and meticulously designed encounters that Larian's dev promise will leave you gasping for breath and begging for mercy. I will never play that, but I love the idea that you're going to do this and have this crazy thing, let alone the adventures we're seeing here, right? Of like, how do you want to pull, do you want to pull this guy out? Do you want to do this thing? There's this idea here of like, you could fantasize about cutting off the dude's hand. That's one of the things they're talking about that they were (laughs) bragging about adding to this game. Like the game seems super deep, Janet, which is exciting to me, even though I imagine even if I play it, I won't scratch the surface of it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. And that makes sense because again, we're like the same person. It's just like, just two sides of the same coin on one show two times in one week, I think. Sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I, and it's funny because for me, I feel like this is a sort of a, I won't say new era. It's a little dramatic, but as much as I've played games that are RPGs, like that kind of more traditional, like RPG adventure, like I really have not fully had ever. Like I was talking to Isaiah the other day. He's like, what's, what's an RPG you've played that like, you really enjoyed and i'm like what well, depends on what you mean but like, do you just do you kind of like you know right like what do you so i'm thinking like character creator like front to back i'm like i really haven't done that and part of that is uh, because the games are really long yeah part of that is also because you know historically as a player you know i started with games that just didn't really like places that didn't have that right like playing on nintendo i know like back in the day there was like old nintendo rpgs but like of course in that era i didn't like catch in there and then my entry point genre is like i know what i know really well and everything else it's like i'm kind of building as i go so um yeah i'm a little bit um <laughs> there's also that i think that fear of like 
unearthing the world's biggest time sink also sure. it's like and i think it's kind of what what lightly holds me back but i think in terms of you bringing up this conversation in that playstation context it's like yeah if you are looking for a big time sink a big adventure like obviously starfield and um Baldur's gate 3 have very different approaches in terms of tone and i think just rpg and dialogue design but it is potentially scratching that itch of like i want a big adventure that i can sink a lot of hours to but you know i think when you are multi-platform it is tough because like this feels like the year of big adventures you can sink a lot of hours to for I sure. mean, even like i still have to finish the Apple four <laughs> that's fine and see that's my thing where it's like Diablo has been my time sink this year, right? And I am I have not kicked the junk. I'm still hopelessly addicted. Like we were talking about any other game I sit down to play, right? I'm always like, I should play this for work. Or I need to play this. Or it could be even I'm interested to play this. Like I, I jumped back into my faction a couple nights ago in WWE, right? And it was like, but still I hear the siren song of Diablo and just the, um, why don't I just go in there and pour more XP into it? And I know it's such a lizard brain game too. Well, like Baldur's yeah. Gate three is good. And not that yeah, Diablo does have a story, but like, look, Come I'm on. just, I'm Nobody's. just resurrecting Scott. What, what's her class in Diablo for? I, I, I run a rogue. Okay. What about you? I, forgot what, I forgot what it is. It's the one with the, that you can resurrect the dead. Necromancer. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to, when I get to, uh, when I get to, um, uh, the season next week when they launch the first season, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll a sorcerer. I'm gonna go that way because I, I Mike Mike always looked fun playing that. I think that'd be a fun one to try out or whatever. Um, though speaking of multiplayer, right? Because I, I want to get into the, the multiplayer of Diablo. I've only done it by myself. Um, what? I just went in chat was yeah. I because I just played it like on my own stream. Like I haven't done the multiplayer yet. I'll start shooting you texts every time Jen and I jump in. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me and I have been meaning to, to play it. Someone in chat mentioned playing this multiplayer as well and how that's yeah. gonna be like their style for this game. Yeah, I went by earlier, right? Anthony Corbett. I think it's also important to specify you don't really need D&D lore knowledge to yeah. play this game either. Also definitely playing this multiplayer. Yeah, of course. And I think, honestly, that's why it's a good gateway for me to get in there. When we played D&D, one of the things I hated, because I'm tired, is, is doing math. So, like, to have the game do it for me, yeah, let's go. And then, yeah, to jump in with your friends and play with them and have that adventure, that sounds fun. It's... It's one of those where, again, in the conversation of the PlayStation audience and not having Starfield there... It's that thing of, I could see me trying this and going there. The reality, yeah. of course, is that I will have Starfield. <laughs> I will be playing Starfield on my Xbox. So, like, I'm excited for that. And, and it's also the fact that Starfield is an easy sell to me because I know Bethesda, but mm -hmm. I also prefer that kind of RPG. I Turn-based is not my jam. And I think the turn-based here looks different and approachable and exciting to a degree in a way some other turn-based games haven't been where I don't think it'll be the biggest hurdle for me to eventually do it, but sure. I'm way more excited to get a cool gun and run around Starfield and zero G and shoot in the sky and fall and slide. And like that, I would rather do than this. So it's a balancing act of it. Depending on when we get Starfield, maybe I'll be done with it by the time this launches on PlayStation. If we don't get Starfield, maybe this will, this, they say it runs on steam deck. Maybe I'll play it there to try it out and do it. But like, I'm excited for this and what I'm seeing. I, and if, more than anything, I guess it's, cool that it's gone from something i was like oh i don't really care about to doing the research and looking in and watching the stuff and consuming the content be like oh man this could be a really cool game yeah i'm kind of right there too where i'm like damn do i need to add to the pile but then again and it is already a pile and the pile's it's high i always talk about that scene in arthur um with where he's getting the library books and he has like all of them and they're like you're not gonna read all of those you don't need all of them and he's like just shut the fuck up and he just fucking bikes away he obviously doesn't <laughs> swear at them because he's a child it's a children's show but you know um but what happens in that episode, right? Spoilers for Arthur. He Please. drops one of the books 
and it fucks him over for a while and he's like fucking panicked now that metaphor kind of falls apart when you look at this but it's like some of these books are going to drop from the pile and another thing too Baldur's gate it's going if it's at the top it's the easiest one to fall maybe i don't i'm not a fucking physicist i don't know if that's true okay but to me it is in this metaphor it is so Do you think we'll see there it is there he is and look uh so so hopeful so and I excited said, hey, what a wonderful <laughs> kind of day. If I said, can... hey, shut the fuck up. Let me go. Uh, anyway. I guess the final question, question on this, Janet, even to remove ourselves from it, do you feel like PlayStation 5 needs an answer to Starfield this year? I think so. Um, I mean, I don't think it's not as dramatic as that question might imply. I think, you know, every platform has its own style, its own take. Um, and also, but also I think every platform wants to be wants to be able to be the end-all be-all for a player. Because for some players, it is, you know? The reality is, like, it's definitely a privilege to have every single place imaginable to play, especially as, like, the industry continues to expand and there continues to be more places and more ways to play, right? You mentioned the Steam Deck kind of facilitating a different PC approach. We talk about, you know, VR on here. We talk about the VR competitors. There's the freaking Apple Arcade games that eventually go to PS5. There's, There's so many things around right now there are people out there that only have a ps5 that still don't have a ps5 you know and i think it definitely is important to you know to bring out the question do they need an answer yes in that sense because the the players that would want to play starfield should be able to get some of those kinds of offerings on playstation and in this case Baldur's gate 3 can be that potentially you know we'll see how it actually shakes out with like the quality and all that all that all those questions and obviously they're different style of games i'm not saying it's a one-to-one match oh, of course no no but yeah you you always want to be able to like any fun you want to have you can have it here right it's like the, hopefully the positive version of we have blank at home right it's like you want to be able to have that um and if you don't you're liking and that's why that's why the competition exists right of the of the acquisitions of the original things of the fostering talent of the acquiring talent like you're trying to build the ultimate place to game yeah and definitely even if Baldur's gate 3 ends up falling off my pile even if i never end up finishing starfield right i don't know what the future holds or how i'll feel about those games when i play them you want to be able to have those options available for people yeah i think what's interesting about it even the video i was talking about earlier right that's such a great uh, synopsis of it in that video, uh, the host calls out Diablo 4, right? And he's like, I know so many people have found Diablo 4, so you're probably asking about loot in this game. Diablo 4, I think it's worth pointing out, you know, sh- maybe shocking no one, maybe shocking some, right? Uh, today, the PlayStation blog posted the most downloaded games of June 2023. Diablo 4 right at the top of that list, Final Fantasy 16 behind it. And so it's that thing where there is an appetite on PlayStation 4 RPGs, action RPGs, whatever. And we know that there's an RPG audience to it. And so I do wonder if you get to September 6th and it is Starfield and that's all anybody's talking about on Xbox PC, if then, yeah, PlayStation fans are talking about it. I do think it loses some of its luster, even though it was the right business call to separate PC and PlayStation. Because I feel like if Baldur's Gate is fucking awesome, it's wad is going to be shot. It's conversation is going to be all happening in August. Mm -hmm. And then by the time it gets there, it feels like a consolation prize to PlayStation people who don't have it. And I do wonder what, Diablo, if anything, is planning on doing like uh, you know the season the first season launches here uh, in a week, right? Yeah. What are you doing around that? Because again, obviously, you're about to be an Xbox-owned studio, so there's an Xbox game coming out. But then you do have an audience that clearly bought a lot of Diablo Four on PlayStation Five. Do you have something going on there to remind them to be a part of it in the same way? You know, I thought it was really funny when uh, all of a sudden WWE 2K23 
they all of a sudden were just everywhere. And I was like, why are they? Mar oh, right. AEW is about to come out. Like, they can't. As soon as AEW is getting ready to show <laughs> its ugly fucking face, WWE's like, we're here too. Don't forget us. Well, I was like, that's a funny little mashup of how marketing works in video games and how you try yeah. to ride trends. And Baldur's Gate 3 is making the right move here, trying to ride the trend of, okay, Starfield won't be on PlayStation. Yeah. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. I mean, I think the. The, like, is it already over before it began thing is interesting. I mean, I think it's like a two-tiered question, right? Because as much as there's overlap between us, our opinions, how we look at things, and the the audience, there's also, like, the more generalized gaming audience that, like, stuff gets to them real late in terms of even just, like, knowing about something. Like, sure. they will, you know, a lot of people playing Baldur's Gate 3 on PS5 won't even know that it was on PC, PC first. You Great know what point. I mean? And nor do you need to, right? I'm not, that's not me calling people out for not knowing that. Like, I think... It is so easy for me here, me looking at, you know, the trogs, me looking at the comments later to forget that there's a lot of people who, like, are not nearly as in tune. It's like, actually, I'm the weirdo. <laughs> yeah, no, we so, are the weirdos. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. we're <laughs> like, we're the freaks. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, I, I know everything about everything and everybody, yeah. right? Um, so, uh, you know, there's that, but then there is also that larger conversation, I think, um, which people, you know, studios to their credit, like they want to be part of that larger conversation too. I mean, sales and stuff are great. And that's probably like what matters most at the end of the day, like the success of the game, the money brings in the ability to continue, but the accolades are also part of it. And I do think the conversation will be slightly hurt, but I don't think it'll be the end all be all because the game is so lengthy and large and warrants multiple conversation by way of genre. I think if they're both quality games, we're going to be talking about Starfield and Baldur's Gate 3 in that kind of field. And sure, one might eat the lunch of the other in terms of people that are multi-plat critics. But ultimately, I think they, those have like a long tail end of conversation because of the kind of games they are. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, we won't have to wait long to find out. September is right around the corner, and Baldur's Gate 3 on PC is coming out in August, so we'll know pretty quick if that one's good or not. Uh, but stay tuned here as we figure out if PlayStation needs starfield or a starfield answer but i know this we need you on patreon.com slash kind of funny over on patreon.com slash kind of funny you of course can watch the show live as we record it you can get it ad free anytime as a video or mp3 of course you could get dozens and dozens of exclusive monthly episodes of content like kind of feudy greg way you name it however you're not on patreon.com slash kind of funny so here's a word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I've been going down to the heat of Los Angeles with Gia a lot recently, and I've been loving the breeze thanks to my Bird Dogs. They got Oxford shorts, khaki shorts, bathing suits, and much, much more. My favorites are the Art Farts Knockers, and it's not just because of the name, it's because of the blue, but hey, the name doesn't hurt at all. Art Fart Knocker, come on. Go to birddogs.com slash kindoffunny or enter code kindoffunny for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash kindoffunny or use the promo code kindoffunny for a free Yeti-style tumbler. Birddogs.com slash kindoffunny. Promo code kindoffunny. Janet, let's talk about this week in PlayStation. Earlier this week in PlayStation, the one and only Blessing Addy Oye Jr., 
was popping off at the mouth in the office and said, man, I got nothing to do today. And I said, well, I actually have a lot to do. So figure out what me and Janet should talk about. And he came up with our Starfield. Do we with need Sigma it? One Bless. Never say you have nothing to do. Always just look frustrated. What like, a I know it doesn't feel like a real job here, but it's a real job. I'm listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then he, he did the Starfield thing because at the time, nothing had happened. But since then, much has happened. So let's get into it. All right. I'm going to begin with Sony is investing even more than we thought and live service games to the tune of $2.1 billion in gaming R&D, most of it focused on live service. This is Grant Taylor Hill at Insider Gaming. In a report published by Nikkei, uh, it was revealed that Sony intends to pour financial resources into gaming research and development to the tune <coughs> of $2.13 billion. That's reportedly investment that's being made before the end of fiscal year 2024, and it'll account for a whopping 40% of Sony's entire R&D spending. Not only that, but Sony Group has also expressed desire to pivot towards a model that focuses much more succinctly on live service titles, with Nikkei's article referencing the fact that Sony itself has yet to make a splash in live service games. For years, PlayStation's bread and butter has been remarkable single-player exclusives, which have dominated markets globally, but don't typically have much staying power, unless sequels are released, of course. That's why partly, or that's partly why, in 2022, Sony stepped up and bought out Bungie for $3.7 billion, recognizing that the minds that brought the world destiny could offer something unique in the ever-growing market of live service games. According to the report published by Nikkei.com, Sony plans to allocate a staggering 60% of all PlayStation 5 development spending to live service games exclusively for the year ending March 2026. It also stated that there's a grand goal in place to have no fewer than 12 live service games in the PlayStation portfolio within the same timeline. Janet, there's an amazing blessing show about this. There was a PS I mm -hmm. Love You a couple weeks about this, but now it's the fact that we're talking about this R&D business getting involved with it. $2.13 billion of R&D and them really looking at this live service thing. How do you feel? I am, I don't know. I'm conflicted. I'm concerned and... That's probably mostly it. I will say, as much as I am not ready to be like, this is not a good idea, you know, as we kind of discussed on, like, the, the episode where we broke down this, the points Blessing raised in the Blessing show, which you got to yeah. check out both of those pieces of content if you missed them for the full conversation. Um, I'm not, I'm definitely not, like, excited, you know what I mean? Um, and part of that is, of course, my, my bias as a player. Like, I just, life service doesn't speak to me as heavily as it might um, a lot of other people. Um, but also just how tough it is to come out the other side with that successfully and you know the fear of pushing teams into something that they you know it's so the thing with this is it's like well my one thing my brother always says is when you say yes to something you're also saying no to something else sure. so even when it's like good news it's like cool you take you know whether it's a job whether it's playing a game whether whatever like a yes is always a no to something else right and i worry I'm not super excited about this. Yes, I understand it. I think it's smart. Again, even if I'm not interested, you want to have a diverse portfolio. You want to offer a lot of things to players. I worry about what we might be saying no to because I know what we have now and I like that. And I do think you need to push and grow, but it's like, ah, uh, like what's, what would the no have been better than this? Yes. And that's my fear. But what about you now that we've had some time to marinate again it's, it's gonna take so long for all this to really like come full circle and for us to really like review everything that went down on this for but sure. what, what are your feelings reading this you know the thing tim and i talked about this on games daily and i'm i went the positive route because i do i can't imagine that playstation executives over there 
are looking at live services as they are in 2023, and even if you want to go 2022 when they started making these decisions and going like, this isn't a fad, this isn't a thing, nobody's failed, or the people who have failed, we're smarter than them, that's why we'll do 12. I still have to believe that it's not everything's going to be a destiny, not everything's going right. to be a fair game. These are live service initiatives. These are live service learnings that are being added to games to make them make sense. And, you know, again, this is a mashup of both new and old, right? Of like, okay, cool. The R and D to 2.3 or to $2.13 billion is one thing. We already knew about the 60% of the development spending being for live service stuff, right? The hope there is that of course they've brought on teams like Haven, right? They've brought on teams like Bungie. They've done, they've brought on all these different teams that yeah, you're giving them more money or more budget because they're spinning things up and getting going. So what I was saying is if you removed them from it, then hopefully you know the budget would go larger. That 40% would become larger, and that would be the more traditional stuff. And mm -hmm. to your point and to what Tim and I were talking about, like until we see Sony been forced to make something, until we hear that like everyone wanted to make Game X and they were told, no, no, go make this cooperative shooter X, I think all we can do is be like, man, this doesn't sound great. And that's what it keeps coming back to. And what the blessing show is all about. Like you haven't really had a coming out party for all this stuff, but every part that's come out does not sound like you were taking care of the PlayStation audience that has gotten you to this point. Yeah, we ho we hope it's not true. And we hope we get more single player stuff. I think too, it's like, it's hard to be excited when like the most recent, Showcase, right? Enough about yeah. that. Showcase. It sh did not hit. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know you guys talked about that a lot on, I believe Gamescast was where you reviewed that. Like, yeah, yeah. I was listening to that and like secondhand, like being like, oh, yeah, like it was, it was, it's always really fun to like listen to the shows when like the, the few times that I can't When be you're on not on them. <laughs> yeah, like, well, because it's like, it's like you get to be on it, but then it's like you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's totally. Like, it kind of, it kind of feels like you're a ghost, you know? And yeah. like, I know that's scary to some people, but to me, it's like, it's fun if you can be come back to life, you know? It's like in this story, I wake up and I'm still on PS. I love you, but like, I got to, you know, be behind the glass for a second. But hearing your guys' thoughts, you know, I, I agreed with a lot of what y'all said with that, and I think it does make it hard to feel super excited about the next era because there are a lot of question marks i think it's not that it's not gonna turn out but it's like i wish i had like more to latch onto that i was pumped for so, for sure you know. and, I, and that's what you know tim pushes for and a lot of people have pushed for and the rumor as they want is that there's another showcase coming this year that and you would hope that that showcase would be here's ghost 2 here's another single player game here's what i don't buy it for a second i refuse to, i think you'll get a state of play and hopefully you'll get some stuff in there but i don't I'd like to imagine you get that, but it's all just wishful thinking. But I'll tell you what's not wishful thinking, Janet. Neil Druckmann is now king of the world. We're going to IGN where Cat Bailey reports. Naughty Dog co-president Evan Wells is retiring at the end of the year, leaving Neil Druckmann to fully take the reins of one of PlayStation's best-known studios. In a message published on Naughty Dog's official site, Wells talked about his 30-year career in games and praised Druckmann, saying that he's, quote, incredibly confident that he's leaving the studio in the best hands. This is something I've been discussing with Naughty Dog's studio leadership team for well over a year and with Neil for even longer than that, Wells wrote. The decision brings with it overwhelming and conflicting emotions, but I've come to realize that I'm content with my time at the studio and all that we've accomplished together over the last 25 years. I couldn't be more confident in Neil's ability to carry on running the studio. It's the right time for me to provide the opportunity for him and the others on the studio leadership team to steer the studio into a successful future, end quote. Druckmann praised Evan in a tweet calling his legacy unmatched. Quote, sad to see my boss, mentor, partner, friend leave, but happy for him to enjoy a well-earned retirement. 
Evan, your unmatched legacy will forever be part of Naughty Dog, Druckmann wrote. Evan Wells has been with Naughty Dog since 1998, with credits including Crash Team Racing and Jack and Daxter. Wells became co-president of Naughty Dog following the departure of the founders Jason Rubin and Andy Gavin in 2004. Druckmann was promoted to co-president alongside Wells in 2020. Uh, Wells departs in the midst of a challenging year for Naughty Dog. While The Last of Us has found great success on television, the multiplayer version has faced setbacks and delays. The PC port, which launched back in March, has similarly been met with mixed reviews. Nevertheless, Naughty Dog remains one of PlayStation's crown jewels as Wells prepares to depart. Of course, congratulations, Evan Wells, on retirement. That's great. And congratulations on Neil Druckmann now being the big cheese taken over yeah. there janet what was your reaction to this news um i think it makes sense you know what i mean like uh it it doesn't surprise me to read and i think you know for a lot of these kind of changes there are definitely a lot of changes that happen that are a shock and often an unfortunate shock in the industry unfortunately but i think this is one that just feels like yeah it's the natural progression of things eventually you hope that people get to have, you know, this kind of thing happen where they're like, they're ready, they're ready to retire. They've talked about it a lot. Um, obviously, we're only privy to this very, like, carefully crafted, like, PR, like, here's our statement, you know, yeah, which yeah, is not yeah. to say it's fake, but it's just like, you know, it's not like we're sitting at a bar with them, right? But just even based on this, I, from this, I get the sense of that being, you know, a long time conversation. I think that stuff's also important in, you know, any company that you're having those conversations with your team members about, hey, what's your vision for what's next and how do we get you there and how do we make sure that like all our stuff's aligned? So I like the idea of discussion, alignment, careful planning, um, reverence. Like there's a lot of positivity coming off of this, which of course you, they wrote it so you would hope that it would, but it easily could have been you know, a vaguer thing that got the same point across. We've like, seen bad exits. We've seen yeah, people and, exit through the back door rather than the front yeah, door. Yeah, a little, exactly. So, like, I again, all that with a grain of salt of, like, of course, it's going to sound nice because it's the birthday card kind of PR statement. But I, I like that sense of it that I get. Um, and I always like the idea of people continuing on, you know, moving up, shifting positions, and also with that, allowing space for other people to take more of the reins. Yeah, I didn't go um, through the whole thing. The blog talks about, that, yeah. Neil's, Neil's blog uh, on there talks about all the leadership changes that are coming up on the leadership team and where people are moving and yada, yada, yada. Uh, for me, the real wrinkle is, like, I wonder, and I want to say I'm concerned, but, like, that's awesome for Neil, and I love that. I don't like the idea of Neil being even more busy, like, what does that mean for him making games? Like, I like a Neil Druckmann video game. I, I, so, I mean, like, is he, as he, he, it's one of those that was interesting of them talking about him being, you know, moving the sole leadership guy for the studio overall, but then being head of creative. And so then it's like, all right, you're head of creative, which usually means then you have directors, producers. I don't know what the official title is underneath you, right? That are like, we'll say producing Last of Us 3, whatever other game, factions, stuff like, so are you, is Neil, like, two steps removed from actually creating is he trying to do both and be a part of that still is he does he have his game that he's doing while trying to be head of creative while trying to run the studio like that's a full plate let alone last of us season two even though that's going to be on ice because of the strike and all these things like there's a lot of plates spinning right there and when something yeah. has to give i wonder what it is but that's me being selfish if that's what neil wants to do go do go do what i neil imagine wants to do. it would be the the development aspect which obviously i'm painting that with a broad brush because there's a lot of things that go into the development of a video game like yeah. i don't want to discount the stuff that is a little bit less like what you picture clichely of like and then i made this mo you know what i mean like right yeah, yeah, yeah. but um 
in a way, like, obviously, like, I love Neil Druckmann's work as, you know, a creator, as a developer, but at the same time, like, for me, I'm, I'm ready for, like, what else is there, because I also feel like, you know, we have to accept the reality of, like, a lot of these games, they're Druckmann games, but they're also very much a lot of other people that aren't Druckmann, right? And I think we've had a lot of time for him as, like, God, what's the word for it? Like, art, like, it's like what artier or arter you know like the the fucking like the oh, artist auteur, right auteur, auteur like, like yes. hideo kojima he's an auteur yes, like, he's, he's, yeah exactly me trying to use a very fancy word not just fucking remembering it right but it's like, hey i've been yeah, all the time you could have called him arthur i would understood what you meant <laughs> exactly i was like what if it's not arthur but it's not author like it's the one between right but he's had that moment and i'd love to well i don't think we necessarily a- need those people in the space like we don't need like the big name necessarily either like i'm okay with that either being no specific name or a new name. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that's a great point, right? Of course that we talk about it on our side of the industry all the time, but people need to step aside for new people to rise up for there to be new voices, right? Not every game out of Naughty Dog needs to be a, a, a Neil Druckmann game. And you have seen that, right? Like, you know, there's been plenty of people, I think of Kurt at Naughty Dog, right? Who I remember meeting years and years and years ago before he's now directing his own games and doing these things like, that happens where people put in the dues, pay the dues, go up the chain, and then need to lead a team, need to lead a game. So that's a great point to put. So, yeah, maybe it is, you know, you want to step aside and do that. That makes sense. Good point, Janet. Thanks. Janet, I got some good news. I remember that word. (laughs) I got good news for you. The Horizon series is only just getting started. As developer has a pipeline of 16 plans. This is live over at Games Radar. (laughs) Guerrilla Games says the Horizon series is going to be continuing it for a long time. Now I fucked all that up. Guerrilla Games says the Horizon series is going to be continuing it for a very long while with 16 plans all on the spin. Uh, When Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores DLC was released in April, fans suspected it wasn't the end of Aloy's story. In May, studio director Jan Bart Van Beek confirmed that Aloy's adventures will continue. The Horizon universe will expand further uh, than just one more game, though. Van Beek hopes, uh, as he revealed during a Develop Brighton talk, that the studio currently has around 16 plans clicking on, including future installments down the line. We're going to be continuing it for a very long while, he continues. As people uh, probably already know, this is a quote, uh, we're also going to be working on a multiplayer game, uh, multiplayer game, Van Beek says, perhaps making reference to the Horizon MMO first rumored in 2021. I don't buy it. I think it's the co-op game they've already talked about and hired for, but I digress. But to this, though, uh, Liv says, rumors resurfaced last year following a new report suggesting Sony had partnered with South Korean developer NCSoft Corporation to create it. Van Beek describes development on the upcoming multiplayer cooperative game as, quote, another massive shift for the studio, almost on the same level as doing the first Horizon. Building out a two-player experience is a whole new challenge for the studio, he elaborates, adding that the team is excited about the project. We talked about this uh, many times throughout the years here, right? But remember, they're doing some kind of co-op thing that is going to be two-player, according to Van Beek. That has been uh, confirmed at Gorilla by job postings. Then there's this rumor of an MMO in the Horizon world from NCSoft that PlayStation's working on. Janet, you are the number one Horizon fan in my life. Do you yes. get excited for 16 plans for Horizon? No, it's the um, that's the too many slices. Uh, TikTok <laughs> made by Andrew Fantano, music the busiest. Uh, God, what's this shit? In the internet's busiest music nerd, right? As he claims to be. Again, if you just say it, you can just that's just mm-hmm. random. That's very convenient if you're making one. Um, anyway. 
So he had his tomato slices thing where it's like a little joke where someone's cutting the pizza and he's like, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then he yells tomato slices. It's like a fucking 24 sliced pizza. It's sliced so thin that you're not even eating anything when you take a slice. That's what I worry about. <laughs> so the chat is on tour. Fuck you, chat. Anyway, just, that's what I worry about though for this. Honestly, that sounds like way, that's, that's a lot. And I'm sitting here no fucking joke with post-it notes as you're reading this trying to map out what that could possibly be i also hope that it's so much that it is maybe like it sounds i'm hoping it sounds just like more than it is like are these pure like titles individual skew standalone installments one of the reports on this talked about all 16 plans not being games okay so So it's not that you have 16 games in the pipeline Let's All right. See, 16 plans horizon. Because it's like, it's just plans. Is that the yeah. show? Does that count the show? I bet it does. Okay, hold on. So I'm getting it all together here for <laughs> everyone listening. We got one. Okay, we have Horizon 3. That's one of them. I wish I had the fucking board Whiteboard? behind me to like do the uh, the meme with the fucking string and shit from It's Always Sunny. We have one single player game, okay? That single player game is going to have a DLC, okay? I got you. I got you. Then we have the MMO. Then we have the multiplayer, the co-op thing. That is now worked to four. Then I'm going to say, just because I can't think of more stuff, let's say there's another fucking VR game. So put VR on there. I'm going to throw a board game on there. Okay. I'm going to throw it. the show on there. Put more Legos on there. Put another Lego on there. I was thinking about the Lego, and the Lego was great. So we'll put another Lego on there. So with five, six, seven, that's eight things. That's only halfway. Uh, maybe a, a fucking racing game. They had that shitty racing mini game. Maybe they fucking make it a whole oh, game. No, That's one no, of the PlayStation oh, Live Service You games. said board That's game, but they're the definitely Machine games. Strike. Machine Strike. They'll sell a Machine Strike. I kind of already have that for the board uh, I'm game. I'm just saying. So. Oh, I, I was. Yeah, I was. Oh, like an individual, like, like a digital version. They could do machine. You know what? We got fucking space. This doesn't cost us anything. We don't got to make these things happen financially, Greg. Let's put Machine Strike on there. Okay, so Thank we you. have five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's ten things. Maybe if they count the extra seasons of the shows as individual things. Oh, you know what? Let's do a, a fucking movie. Um, a straight-to-TV movie. <laughs> Even though that's not really a term anymore. That's 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Yes, I have to recount them each time. That's why I'm bad at Pit Cross. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, we need four more, Listen, five more things. Are you excited to see your Horizon IP expand this much, Janet? As I look at my hand covered in small post-it notes... Um, Mm, uh, it feels very monkey's paw to me because it just it just just <laughs> seems like too many things. But some of these things, like let's pretend this hand was reality, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't need the fucking we don't need to. We have tears of the kingdom at home right here, bitch. Like this fucking hand of post-it notes. I would be down for a lot of these. I'm down. I'm excited for Horizon Three. I'll fuck around with the Horizon Three DLC because why not? Definitely want that big MMO. Definitely want the multiplayer. Would fuck around with some more Lego and would definitely fuck around with the board game. The Have other you things ever... I would only do for the culture that is now my going down with the ship. Sick. Like Horizon's the positive version, I think, with Supermassive, where I'm just fucking playing all their games. And yeah. I'm like, good, I like these games. I don't know, but it's what I do. I do like Horizon still, but it's going to be. Mr. Hawk says we forgot the Horizon Zero Dawn remake. <laughs> yeah, so we put well, that in that's, that's one of the six. PS6, things. yeah. And then it's. Yeah, no, 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 Janet, that's confirmed for PS5. What? The oh, remake. Oh, sorry. Yeah, like right, right. the a remaster or whatever. Okay, remaster. Okay, that's that's. I forget okay. what they actually I th- called it. I thought you were saying like a literal, like the re- like a remake, like how PlayStation's like now we're remaking it just because why not? You know, like they have a lot of those. Okay, definitive edition. I don't think they are gonna do those, but yeah, that's another one. We only need 
four, I think, left now. But IGN anyway. calls it Horizon Zero Dawn remake for PS5. Okay. Different studio, Insider claims. Anyways, um, back to what we know and what we're talking about with the three games: Horizon mm -hmm. Three, MMO, Co-op. I'm stoked about all of those. Yes. Horizon Three. I did, I'm still upset that Horizon Two leaves it on a cliffhanger that I thought was kind of shoehorned in at the end. Um, you know, Burning Shores does a good job of giving me more. Uh, mm -hmm. The co-op thing sounds great. Let's you know shrink the scope of this. It's let's just go be hunters for a village we're not Aloy. we're not trying yep. to save the world we're just trying to do whatever we're doing in the village and then an mmo i like that sounds great the beauty of it of horizon in an mmo setting and going off and yep. warring with other people and other uh groups i think that could be fun maybe one of the plans is just more merch i do have one of the little plushies from fan gamer right they're just dropping another another one and that's it that's the gear store maybe on it's a crossover thing but they're already in fortnite so it's not like you can you know what i mean i don't know who knows uh, I want to get you a couple more before we get out of here. Uh, PlayStation's access controller for PlayStation 5 yeah. was officially confirmed a release date and price today. Today, I'm thrilled. This is from the PlayStation blog. Today, I'm thrilled to announce the access controller for PlayStation 5 will be available globally on December 6th, with pre orders kicking off Friday, July 21st. Available for a suggested retail price of $89.99, the access controller lets you customize your layout with different button and stick caps in various shapes and design. Operate the controller from any 360 degree orientation and connect third party accessibility uh, ex accessibility accessories uh, using its four industry standard 3.5 millimeter expansion ports. A nice one to wake up yes. to today, Janet. Uh, obviously, we had heard about this one a long time ago. It's cool to see it out, and I think for what it is, $89.99 sounds like a reasonable price. Yeah, I saw a lot of people in the uh, accessibility community talking about the excitement of finally having this release date. Um, and yeah, looking forward to their coverage on on how the implementation goes down, you know, ways they may want to see PlayStation expand or continue to evolve in that space. And also, hopefully, you know, we mentioned this, I think, kind of when this news dropped, but PlayStation coming out with this, you know, Xbox already has a lot of their things with accessibility. Hopefully, the more people do it, the more the industry at large is forced into that kind of standardization. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, good things all around from this. Yeah, 100%. Great to see it. Love all the different profiles. Uh, love the idea you can use two at once and a dual sense. And there's a whole bunch of different configurations in there because, yeah, everybody should be able to game however they want to game or need to game. Uh, your final one for the day for this week, PlayStation Plus game catalog and classic for July have been announced. These are all available Tuesday, July 18th. The PlayStation Plus extra and premium game catalog will see the addition of It Takes Two, Sniper Elite 5, SnowRunner, World War Z, The Ascent, Undertale, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom, Melty Blood Type Lumia, Dismantle, Circus Electrique, Dynasty Warriors 9, Samurai Warriors 5, My Little Pony, Fast and Furious, Monster Jam. Meanwhile, PlayStation Premium will see the classics uh, Gravity Crash Portable and Twisted Metal 1 and Twisted Metal 2 added to the collection. It's a pretty good update there, Janet. Yeah, it's solid. It's there. I'm it still rocking two. with Game my... Um... <laughs> it's, it, it, you should play it if you haven't played it before and you like platformers that is technically true okay. um it takes two is a little long in the tooth for me but it, it is it, it is, is a very long. very yes it has other problems but it is a it is a good to probably great video game i have to admit just a little too long but yeah this is a you know it's nice to have a media update to this um my playstation premium i had like the year expired not too long ago and i very quickly re-upped to the extra and to its credit i was wait i waited to re-up to the i had like the base yeah and I'm like, I'll, I'll pay for the extra once i see 
a game that I want. And that happened, like, basically immediately. Oh, great. I think that speaks to the um, the strength of the catalog with that extra tier and sort of how they revamped that stuff. Still have some complaints, but overall, like, there's some real value being added there to that extra tier. Uh, let's move on to PlayStation Picks. Your drop for this week of things that are notable and are out and ready for you. Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, which Janet and I reviewed on the Kind of Funny Games cast. You can catch it on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Podcast services around the globe. But we gave it a four out of five. Uh, Naraka Blade Point comes to PlayStation 5. And then Exo Primal drops Friday, the day you should be listening to this if you're not on Patreon right now. Uh, that is out now and available to play. Of course, interested to jump into that and kill some dinosaurs. But Janet... What did you pick to play on PlayStation this week? I'm kind of jumping around a lot of stuff. Of course, I also you know, played Oxenfree 2, but I already <laughs> finished that. So that's right. I'm not going to talk about that too much. Go check out the... Did you do um, a second playthrough? We talked about it in this first this stream. Okay. I thought yeah. I caught a, but that, a, a Wasn't it like two days? Oh, I guess I, we did that recording a few days ago. Um, I don't... Yo, you were I bragging about how much free time you have since you don't have a kid. I thought you could do it, you know? Well, I, I just fill that time with other shit. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like I'm just like sitting here, just chilling. I just fill it with crap, and then I'll take the crap out and I'll put got more it. crap in got it. Got it. Fair like enough. Just, fair enough. It's just an exchange. Um, no, and I got other games to play. Unfortunately, I do plan to probably keep it on my what's the fucking word? Like on my you know installed because I, I might go for the area. yeah because I might go for the platinum. Um, and I'm guessing that you know I obviously have more stuff to do. I don't know how far along I am. Um, but I have finally like really returned you know for a long time i wasn't playing anything like i did sgf and then like i didn't really play anything for like at least like two weeks or something which is kind of unheard of for me you know unsurprisingly right with this job um i finally came back i played everything i could possibly find and i guess i'll just start talking about some of them very briefly um i was out here i was playing everything i played fucking harmony fall of reverie for a bit don't know it's a new game wasn't into that bounced off that really quick then i hit a crash team rumble more fun than I thought it'd be. Maybe not enough to like keep my attention hardcore. I'm not like a big live service multiplayer kind of person, but yeah. it was better than I thought. Like I missed it was an SGF. I just didn't play it while I was there. And I finally started Final Fantasy 16, um, which is very much a game that I was checking out for my own like due diligence, more so than like oh I'm done like this is top of my list like no matter what kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I only played like two ish hours of it, so I really just got I finished the demo basically of what was out. If you played the demo, you've played what I've played. Okay. I will say, you know, I was playing. I'm like okay, cool, whatever. Like it's going fine. Um, and then I got like to the end of that demo section and I was like, holy shit, they're really like going for some stuff here. And I feel like a lot of people have already talked about Final Fantasy and I'm not very far in, so I won't talk about it too much. But I, by the end of that section, I was genuinely kind of impressed. And the, the comment stuff was fair and fine. Like, you know, I was doing my thing and then like, I, you know, you fucking zoom up to somebody, you hit them and then you walk away. It's like, that's fine. Like I was enjoying it. Fine, I really like you know? that comment. <laughs> I, yeah, like, I mean, I like it, but I wasn't like, I wasn't like enthralled by it. And again, I'm very early, but I'm like, cool. I kind of know how this flow goes. It's all good. And then, um, yeah, I really loved some of the spectacle of some of those battles towards the end of that section. Um, and then something else really random is I started playing, uh, yeah, Mr. Hawks alludes to in the chat. I started playing Kingdom Hearts. Oh, the first time. I'm playing that on PlayStation. Isaiah owns one of those freak bundles of like every game they've ever made and one thing or whatever and yeah. I just, it might also be maybe in the premium tier i don't remember if it's somewhere in the catalog but i started that and honestly so far it's super solid like it's it is weird playing a game like that that has so much baggage with it yeah like I've, i yeah. think it's the most 
contentious game I've ever started in my entire life. Like, because it, that's a game where, like, you know, my community picked it for, like, my streams and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm open to whatever. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'll play anything. I don't <laughs> I don't care. Like, I'm like, it, the point is, like, a game people want to see me play that I normally wouldn't play that I haven't played yet. That's Kingdom Hearts. Sure. I'll try. I don't know. I really hate that much. I won't finish it. Like, it, it'll be fine. I started up. And before I even start playing it. People are like, oh, I love that game. You, you're going to love it. You got to play it. It's going to be great. People are like, I love that game too. Don't fucking play it. It's going to ruin your life. You're going to hate never it. Be like, able, hate- you'll never keep up. It's this. It's then, nonsense. Exactly. And then people are like, I, I hate the game and I don't think you should play it. Or I hate the game and I hate you. So you should play it. It's been a bunch <laughs> of things. Every direction, someone has an opinion on this game. Um, and that's really interesting because people have a lot of opinions on a lot of games, right? Yeah. People have fucking dogged me for Uncharted. They care about this thing, you know, this, but never with such like, this is just so much deeper. Like it's so, it's interesting playing a game like that because people have so many opinions. It's hard to go in like with any level of neutrality, but I, I really did try to. And so far I'm like, yeah, I laughed a lot. I only was supposed to be funny, but I was rolling at the, some of the opening parts of it. Sure. You know, it definitely is old, you know, old game old. It has some, clunk to it but i have played much clunkier games that are sometimes not even old so i'm like yeah this is this is manageable so far it's a long game i would be surprised if my opinion doesn't change in some way so far but right now i'm like honestly this is super fucking solid so we'll see how it goes wow super fucking solid interesting super right. solid. i want to see how yeah. this i want to see how this evolves for sure. I'm, I'm scared for what's on the other side especially when games are that long it's like so many things could come up even like me just like fighting basic enemies i'm like it's kind of a lot of spawns every two seconds. Like, is this going to be a pain in the ass 20 hours in? I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. We will find out. Uh, for me, yeah, you know, you kind of nailed it. Oxenfree 2, again, which we reviewed, four out of five from both of us. Uh, I am uh, anxious to do my third playthrough in Platinum. It. I'm waiting on guides to go up so I can see where all the collectibles are so I don't have to worry about it. Uh, but, yeah, really had a lot of fun with that game. It's another one that I've reflected a lot on. We did a spoiler cast uh, as a Greg way, patreon.com slash uh, kind of funny if you want to check that out when you beat it. And I've reflected a lot on those themes and I wish I could talk about them a bit more open, especially some of the conversations we've been having uh, recently with video games. But I, I digress. I stay away. I don't do it. Um, and then, yeah, Diablo 4. Still playing Diablo 4. And then I'm playing a game for, for review, like I said, Redacted. Uh, but yeah, Diablo 4. Jen and I finished the story. Finally, I'm, she, I got psyched up knowing we had to beat it to make sure we were ready for seasonal content next week. So good times out there with the video games. Um, Chet did ask if I play Kingdom Hearts. If I love, let's see, love is so strong. But if Janet loves Kingdom Hearts, can we get Greg to play it? Is the question. If How you much walk away, if Janet walks away from Kingdom Hearts, like Greg, this is a must play. You have to play this. We we love Kingdom Hearts, then I'll go <laughs> play it. Sure. I don't see that happening. No, what's I don't, your atta- you don't that- have an attachment to Disney, right? Not, not more than I think a normal person. Like yeah. I'm not, you know. Uh, I like Disney fine. Like uh, Goofy's cool. I'm seeing him. He's out there doing his thing. Go Goofy. What are you up to? <laughs> yeah, like I, I fuck with Goofy. Uh, like that's I don't know. I guess I have to fuck with Mickey because I'd be fucking with like the crew. So I guess like I guess I has to be. You know, it's I'm not obsessed with it, and I definitely think my prediction for this game because I, I don't think I'm gonna end up loving this game. Like I think yeah. if it stayed exactly as good as it is, I just don't think I will. I think I'll like it fine. I think unfortunately, I think. For love, you really did have to play it when you were a kid and when it first came out to gain that attachment. It kind of reminds me of, like, without spending too much time, because, you know, I know we're closing out, but I love Jack and Daxter, and I genuinely do think it's a quality game that if you like platformers, you should play it. I think think it genuinely does hold up. 
However, you know, like we did, you know, over at MinMax, we did the deepest dive on it um, many months ago, maybe half a year ago. And Jeff um, never played it. And he played it. And he's like, yeah, this holds up a lot better than I thought it would for a game of this age. I'm enjoying it. And that's great. And he, and he 100%. He got like, the platinum and stuff. So he really liked it. I think it's fair to say he really liked it. I don't think there's a world where he ever loves it the way I love it yeah. just because it's like a different vibe. Like, I don't think that means that I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think wanting me to love it, that seems like too tall of an order. Like, I don't think that's going to be a reality, but I think I'll, I think I might enjoy it. I think I might be like, yeah, you know what? This was fun. I see what y'all are talking about. I don't think I'm going to get it tatted on me. But we'll see never what know. I don't know. I you got never space. know. I got space. I got room to work with, you know? Greg, me and you matching keyblades, man. Like, I don't know. Yo, again, if you say happen. this, Greg, you got to play it. I try, I'd follow any of your recommendations. I appreciate that. I'd do I it. I'd be that. there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been PSI Love You XOXO. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, your PlayStation show. Remember, you can support us over at patreon.com slash kindoffunny, where you can watch us record the shows live. You could get them ad-free. You could get a bevy of bonus content, from shirts to posters to, of course, each and every episode of all the exclusive content we go and do. If you have never supported us before, for 10 bucks, you could get hundreds and hundreds of episodes of Kind of Funny, Greg Way, you name it, it's all on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. No bucks tossed away, it's no big deal. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games and podcast services around the globe each and every week for a brand spanking new episode. Don't forget, there is a very special episode of PSI Love You coming your way Monday morning. What are we doing? We're inviting you to come on a video game preview with us. It'll all make sense when you see or listen to the episode. So make sure you check that out uh, on Monday. But for now, have a great weekend. And until next time, no, it's been our pleasure to serve you.